I've just felt um, kind of a lot off the back of uh, what Joey shared last week. Probably want to just blow wind in the sail of that, what he shared, and something that God's doing in my heart. Some of the prophetic stuff that's been said over the last couple of weeks. Just picking up on that and sharing a journey. And it's almost like I, hopefully I'm trusting that as we've even begun this morning, it's like this little journey that God takes us on and he takes it down this route and then he says, I just want you to go or stop here or let's go smell the flowers here. Let's go look at the mountain there <laughs> or let's just um, have a cup of coffee here. It's like, I think sometimes our lives can be so compartmentalized that we fail to see the wonder of God in the moment. I don't know in eternity what this morning meant to some of those children, but I'm trusting that something deep happened in their hearts that was solidified their sonship and their daughtership at an early age. And they would live from the place of this identity in the Lord and who God said they are. And you, over you too. I want to speak that over you guys. This is who you are. This is, we are not defined by the world. We're not defined by our past and those things. We're defined by who the Father says we are. And so it's in the light of that, of who we are and what God's done in our lives. He calls us to the greater things. I remember this congregation. We, were, we just planted the church in Mossel Bay in the year 2000. And I think many of you in this congregation will remember those days. You came to Mossel Bay. I mean, we were a church of around about 30 or 40 and 30 or 40 Josh Jenners would arrive and we'd host some, I think we were hosting in our home alone. There's probably about 15 or 16 people just spread through our house. And, and I remember those, those days. Uh, and I'm not going, you understand, I'm trying to rekindle something of what this congregation was all about. And, and Andrew there beginning to speak about the nation's inheritance and, and Josh Jen being a, a blessing to 412. And we, we belong here, not just for us, we belong for the nations, we belong for the churches in the nations and reaching out. And I'm wanting to rekindle some of the stuff that God is saying to us as a church across Josh Jen, but for us as a congregation. Some of you were there in our lounge. Some of you. And uh, I want to stir some of those things. I think that one prophetic word that came up was the, the dust or the, uh, 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 the uh, scraper and the bottom of the sea. And I think that the sea sand being uh, churned up and it's almost like churning up of dreams that God had given you many years ago and he wants to rekindle some of those things in your lives and I, I remember that Kim had a prophetic word, where's Kim? Oh, where's Kim? Uh, you want to come give that prophetic word? just for this morning Kim felt something, I mean this afternoon while we were in the pre-meeting um, the Lord showed me a picture of those big rollers that roll across hard ground to aerate the soil. And very often there's a similar instrument that is used to plant seed. And we spoke in the prayer meeting about us being rooted in Jesus. But I felt the Lord say, is Jesus rooted in you? Because that will be the fruit of us being rooted in him. And so for that to happen, there is a plowing of our hearts that takes place. It's painful to aerate for the Holy Spirit to, to come in and to enter. And then it makes place for seed to be planted and to be rooted in us. 
And so as we just um, spend time in God's presence tonight, my prayer is that you will allow the Spirit of God to plow hard ground, but for Jesus also to be rooted in you, seeded in you. So tonight is all about that, really, about His presence, about pursuing His presence, what that actually means. I think... uh, what Joey shared, uh, shared last week from uh, well, the last two weeks about Joshua and being strong and courageous, but to be strong and courageous, there's, there's stewardship of our, our lives, of our, of our soul. And I probably want to re- give uh, a little bit more wind to the sail to what some of the things that, uh, that we need to do, some of the things that might be holding us back. There's this... Uh, so I've been doing this journey through Exodus. I thought this year, let me start on the book of Exodus. Um, and in Exodus chapter 1, it says in verse, verse 7, it says, But the Israelites were exceedingly fruitful. They multiplied greatly, increased in numbers, and became so numerous that the land was filled with them. And then on it goes on to say, in verse 12, it says, Because the, the Pharaoh then oppressed them more and Gave them more work to do and all the rest. But it says, but the more they were, were repressed, the more they multiplied. The more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied. I think that, uh, the Lord has brought hard times on us. Uh, I've been speaking to someone, um, I think a couple of guys about last year and about the year that it was, uh, personally and on many levels, us losing Danelle uh, to this world. <laughs> that gained a, a beautiful gift and then well about three months ago uh, with, the, with his father in heaven now and these are moments that, that, that in some way for us it was a really difficult, difficult time but actually in these difficult times and, 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 and the sickness and all these other things that happened around us those are just one or two things it was a really difficult year I think for most of us but it seems like while we were oppressed, we multiplied. Something of what the Lord did in us, despite the hardship, despite the difficulty. There's this passage uh, in Leviticus chapter 24, verses 1 to 2. It says this, The Lord said to Moses, Command the Israelites to bring you clear oil of pressed olives, for the light so that the lamps may be kept burning continually we've been pressed some of us might have been crushed going through difficult times but God does that so that the oil comes up so we can burn our lights continually there's a burning and I'm uh, today uh, in a way I want to blow a fan fan a little bit of wind in, in the fire of, of some of the dreams and the passions that God put on your heart maybe many years, years ago maybe something new that God's doing in you but maybe, maybe there's an ignition of, of fire fresh that I feel the Lord wants to bring today so Moses he brought into that, circum, into that situation Raised in, raised in Egypt by the Pharaoh's uh, daughter, as a, almost like a prince. And then in verse Exodus chapter 2. So I'm just going to go on a journey touching through some things and things that the Lord taught me, if that's all right. Okay. And trusting that there's something that the Lord will do in your hearts. Many years later, 
When Moses had grown up, he went out to visit his own people, the Hebrews, and he saw how hard they were forced to work. During his visit, he saw the Egyptian, uh, an Egyptian beating one of his fellow Hebrews. After looking in all directions to make sure no one was watching, he looked like a man, not like a woman. Because as we know, <laughs> sorry, did you catch that? <laughs> because we know that the very next day that the Israelites had seen him. They didn't look very well. But anyway, the Lord had a plan in it. After looking in all directions, Moses killed the Egyptian and hid the body in the sand. And sure enough, Pharaoh heard what had happened and he tried to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in the land of Midian. When Moses arrived in Midian, he sat down beside a well. So if we're going to live in what God has for us, we cannot do it in our own strength. See, Moses knew he was a Hebrew. He knew he was called to lead his people. But he thought, I'm going to take freeing up God's people into my own hands. And he hadn't learned the truth of total dependence on God and the presence of God. And so he killed, he killed, the, he killed the, uh, the Egyptian. I believe that one of the things that is going to stop us from living what God has for us is on self-reliance and dependency on self and our own abilities and our own gifts. I remember, I remember when we built, when we trusted the Lord for a building in Mossel Bay. There were about 60 or 70 of us, and the Lord spoke to us clearly that the least of you will be a thousand. And so we changed the building. We were building a building. We had planned for about three, four hundred seater, and the Lord said, "You need to do something." of the impossible you know trust me for the impossible where it's not based on resources that you have where it's not based on what you can do or your gift to attract people or whatever it is purely based on the supernatural provision of God and so we began in, with plans we planned to build a building for a thousand seater about 2005 or 4 or 5 around there it was uh, 4.8 million, I remember it, and thinking, I don't feel very bold and courageous now. <laughs> I don't feel very strong and courageous right now. Petrified. <laughs> I'm scared. But, Lord, you said. Lord, you said. Sometimes we live too much in the realm of the possible and not God's impossible. And I want to stir something in you tonight. I believe in God for the impossible. We were able to, Kim and I and my children at times went with us to the nations. We didn't have the resources to go. But the Lord said go and we went and God provided. Impossible made possible. And so... uh, so is there, uh, the question that I have, is, is there any areas of self-reliance in your life? Self-reliance often ends up in presumption. Presumption that God's backing me, or God's behind me, or God's with me, or God will do it, or someone else will do it. And I think presumption is something 
dangerous in the church. We would just presume. Some of us may be presuming that I'm in a season with children and I need to raise my children. I'm not saying I mean I love the kids, okay? But maybe you're saying you need to be involved in kids' church or worship or leading, whatever, areas of serving in the life of the church. But we presume that someone else maybe is going to do it. Anyway, so, so the one danger is self-reliance. The other one is Moses ran and sat by a well. And he drank from the well of self-pity. God, you called me. <laughs> Why did this happen? I'm running away now. Disappointment. I know that's something that I had to deal with. It was something um, when I handed over the church in Mossel Bay. It was a big thing that I had to deal with in a way in my heart. Was that the church had been through a very tough season. And the building hadn't been completed yet. But I knew what the Lord said. So I knew it was an obedience. But I still had to deal with the disappointment of feeling an incomplete work. But I look now. And we're going in two weeks time to a building that's completed. To a, con- to a church that has planted four, con- four congregations. And I say, God, you knew you knew and so what well are you sitting at what well are you drinking from I think a little bit of this is what uh, Joe was trying to say last week is in your soul where do your thoughts go what well is it that you feeding yourself with if it's self pity I believe the Lord says you need to get out of that place if it's fear if it's uh, things that happened in the past you can't be drinking from a well that's, 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 that hasn't got the life of Jesus in it. Could be, as I said, disappointment for me was something which, which, I, had to deal, uh, which, I, hand, which I had to think about. But I look now and I think, God, you knew all along. And so I felt just for a moment, for Merv to just play some worship and for you to ask yourself. And maybe... Give yourself maybe a fresh into the Lord or say, Lord, test me. See me if there's anything unclean in me. Is there areas of the, of the flesh? Is there areas of self-reliance? Is there areas that I'm depending on for this thing to happen? Is there, have I still got the faith to do what you've called me to? Are there areas of lack of faith or doubt or fear? And I felt just for a moment, just in this time, just to, to reflect in your own life where maybe areas where you thought, yeah, I'm coming up short in this area. Lord, help me. Help me. Maybe I've been self-reliant. Maybe there's a well that I'm drinking from which is not filling me up to give life into the lives of others. May we be drinkers of your spirit. The well that gives us strength. It's not our own strength. It's not our own courage. It's not our own bravery, God. But it's your courage that you put in us that we expose uh, ourselves to your strength. Lord, I pray that we would be urged afresh to, to live in the realm of the impossible.
that we will not settle for anything less than your promise. Your promise. So Moses goes on this roundabout in the desert for 40 years. And then he has this encounter. I think we all know the encounter that he had at the burning bush. I'm just going to read that quickly and just pull out one or two things from that. Maybe some personal life uh, um, stories as well. And it says, One day Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law. Jethro, the priest of, uh, of Midian. He led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of the bush. Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed with flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go see it. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush. He said, Moses, Moses. Here I am, Moses replied. Do not come closer, the Lord warned. Take off your, sh- your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. I am the God of your father, the God of Abram, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. When Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look on God. We can come to amazing meetings, but never be changed. We can be, be inspired, but never transformed. So Moses came to the bush and looked in amazement. And we can have amazing worship here. We've got Merv, incredible gift to us. We can have amazing meetings. But unless we step onto holy ground, unless we take our shoes, I'm sure I'll take my shoes off. I'm going to take my shoes off as a prophetic statement. See, our shoes represent our comfort, represents our journey in life, where we've been. It represents where we're going and the Lord says when you stand on holy ground this is what fear looks like this is what reverence looks like this is what holy ground looks like you take your life you say Lord my comforts my life my journey I'm placing them in your presence they're yours My life is yours. My comforts are yours. Wherever, whatever, however, I'm willing to go. That's what I'm saying. That's what reverence looks like. Where we honor God for who he is and respond in obedience to him. I remember when we... uh, chose to move, uh, all our big moves that we've made, uh, I was sitting down two weeks ago with the American couple Ben and Becca, some of you might have met them, and, he see, and they ask questions they're learning so much from so many of us and they ask him and myself so, how is it that you can transition 
uh, from, from where I was in the Baptist church, whatever it is, into what God was doing in a, new, in a New Testament model church. And how can you transition from a church into church planting? And how can you transition from Mossel Bay handing over a church and coming, coming to, uh, to Cape Town? How can you do those transitions? I know there, there's some practical things that are said, but I felt the Lord said, so at that time I said, all I had was my passion, passion for God, passion to see his church come into wholeness, passion for his word. All I had was his promise, his promise that he would be with me. And all I had was his presence. I wish I could tell you that I'd, all my ducks planned out when we planted the church in Mossel Bay. I was quite naive. I never did church planters. I've, I haven't got any theological training. That surprised a lot of you. I'm only joking. I don't have... Here I am. I'm just like Moses, a shepherd, looking after sheep. And yet, I, I, this is what I said to them. All I had was God's word obedience and his presence something like that I said I had nothing else to hold on to I didn't have stuff and we, we had to go in obedience the other day um, with my grandchildren you know, Kim and I oh, we've got grandchildren very passionate about them and love them to bits and Matty the younger one she's three years old and we're playing I'm busy doing stuff around and, and everything and, and Matty three years old comes up to me she grabs hold of my and she said, Papa, Papa. So, yes, what is it? I'm just busy. Uh, I was doing some stuff. I can't remember exactly what I said. Papa, Papa. Then I'd bend down to say, what do you want? So I said, Papa, I just want you. <laughs> and I wondered sometimes how, is, is God enough? Is God enough? Is his presence enough? Is, is his word enough for us? To go. So we all we have the excuse of why not. I might touch on those if I get a chance just now. You know, there's the forsaking the gathering of the of the saints is a sin. <laughs> but there's a I think maybe a bigger sin because probably the one that is the forerunner to for, forsaking the gathering of the saints is forsaking your first love. And I know it's, it's different for different people. Uh, but one of the things that I, I felt the Lord speak to me about, that God started to stir up some of that fresh love for His church. When, when, I mean, I've always had a love for His church and the kids and that, but I felt something, God stirring my heart afresh to some of the things that he said to Kim and I years ago about the nations being your inheritance and stirring some of that up again. And when Will died and there was this kind of this, this prophetic message that just echoed through his life into my spirit was, you pick up the baton. Pick up the baton. In his grip so that I can live in the why not. And so, so I've, I've, there's some change that God's doing in my heart. And I, I don't know what that looks like in the, in the practical, but that's the reality. And I want to stir your faith to start 
doing some of the things that God spoke on your heart. Some of your, the prophetic words and some of the things and the promises God spoke over your lives over the years might have like gone, been buried. And I think God wants to stir some of those things up. But as I said, there's no long, there's no use being stirred but not being shaken. <laughs> so I want to stir your faith for more. And the way it begins is encountering the presence of God. You say, you're willing to take off your shoes. Everything I have and am in my journey, in my life, where I've been and where I'm going, Lord, they are in your holy presence. They're yours. My feet, my journey, my, my adventures with you, they're yours. And he goes on to say, Chapter 3, verse. Then the Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I've heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I'm aware of their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. That's a lot of the prophetic words of God have been speaking about a bounty and a harvest and a fertile land. It's flowing with milk and honey. Don't you love say so there's flowing with milk and honey, but then comes the butt as well. The land where the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, these are all enemies of God, by the way. So there's the land flowing with milk and honey, but they're enemies that are going to have to be driven out. Now go from sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people Israel out of Egypt. You see, when we have this personal encounter with God, we encounter the heart of God and we, we encounter God's purpose for his people. So he says this to, and this he says over you, over this journey, your shoes, no matter where you've been, he says, I see you. No matter what your life's been like, no matter where you're at right now in your life, no matter what, what turmoil or faith or joy or wherever you are in life, God says, I'm the God who sees. He hears. He's the God who hears your cry. It might be a, a, a cry of distress. It might be a cry for more of God, whatever it is. He hears the cry of your heart. See, but God always puts feet to his heart. He says, and I've come down to rescue them. And he says, now you go. So what he's saying is, Paul, you're my eyes, you're my ears, you're my feet, I'm sending you. See, that's what happens when our, when our shoes on holy ground. We encounter who God is, who God is. I'm not going to go, I'm just, so there are no excuses. You know, I'm, I'm not going to go through them in detail, but God, Moses says, but who am I? And God says, this is who you are. Your life and your past and your failures and your weaknesses don't define you. My son, the completed work of Jesus defines you. He doesn't say that quite over Moses, but in essence, that's what he's saying. This is who you are. You're my child. You're my son. You're my daughter. This is who you are, my ambassador. And he says, well, and who are you, God? What do the people say? Who are you? I am who I am. 
what he's saying is, if I'm all sufficient, if I'm sufficient overall, then I'm, sorry, if I'm sovereign overall, if I'm in control overall, then I'm sufficient in all. If I'm sovereign over everything, then I'm sufficient in everything. Then I'm more than enough. I am who I am. This is your, my name. He declares his name, provision, provider, power, all those names, you know, the names of God. But this is the one who backs us. Then he says, but what if the people, what if the people don't accept me? He kind of says, um, the power of the gospel is what saves, not your eloquence. See, the, the message of the gospel in itself has got power to change and transform lives. So it's actually got nothing to do with your ability or inability. It's actually got to do with you being obedient and God using the inherent power of the gospel to transform lives. Changing lives is not your job. Your job is to be God's eyes, God's ears, God's feet, God's understanding. And God, I want to get in and do what God's called me to do, a rescue mission. A rescue mission. But if I'm not qualified, I'm bad of speech. As I said, it's got nothing to do with your speech. It's got to do with the power of the gospel. And then he says to Moses, he says, take the staff, that staff, that average mundane thing that's used to guide sheep. I said, you throw it down on the holy ground and that stick becomes a snake and then obviously you know the situation that happened there. That there's something of the mundane became something of the miraculous when it's placed on holy ground. When it's given to the Lord. When you bring the mundane, your gift, what's in your hand, you say, Lord, my gifting, my teaching ability, my hosting ability, my ability to love children, or whatever it is, my ability to love people, my home, whatever it is, here it is, Lord, the mundane. I can't tell you how many lives have been changed around a kitchen table. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. He threw the staff on the ground and became a snake. The, the, the mundane became the miraculous. But unless he picked up his staff again, he would never have parted the sea. Unless he picked up what was in his hand, he would never have, the plagues would never happen. The people of Israel would never have come out. God is able to use the mundane, the normal, the things that you use every day in his hands for the miraculous to change and transform lives, individuals and communities. That's what's in your hand. The Lord spoke to me just in this season. He says, there's a guitar there. You used to lead worship. And that's what I'm saying. Malaysia, I've spoken to some of the guys. He said, I need to pick that thing up. I need to pick my guitar up again because I, I, I led worship for many years in, in Mossel Bay. For 10 years. Someone else can do it. I don't know. There are guys that are far more gifted than me, whatever. But the Lord said, pick it up. Nations. I stopped believing for that. I believe for the nations, but I just try, I start, in my mind, I started to say, God, but I don't see the provision. I forgot. 
that God, we went to the nations in Mossel Bay and man, we didn't have the provision ahead of time. I need to pick up the nations as part of my inheritance again and go. That's for me. God's doing that in my life and hopefully there's something of a stirring in your life that he's doing. So, yeah, we are, and we're going to go in a time of, I, I don't know what, where the Lord's touched on your heart because he's, he's working in me. Maybe in the time of uh, landing this, this time together, you may want to physically take your shoes off and say, Lord, it's, my life's yours. My journey, my past, my future is yours. I'm putting it on holy ground. You may want to say, God, that gift, I'm putting it on the ground, that mundane, the normal, the area. I want, I want you to use it. I want you to use it for your glory. Because that, in my hand, because it's been on holy ground, can do something of the impossible. Believing, change lives. Change lives. Just want a drink of water and then land with two examples. And then I'll ask um, us to respond. I went to a memorial service early this year. Some of you may or may not know Peter Howard Brown. Led a church for many, many years in Somerset West. And about six years ago, he had a stroke. He was a brilliant preacher. He had a stroke and he can no longer talk. The Lord graciously kept him alive can no longer talk the very thing the very thing that God, the gift that God gave him when he, he had laid it down and he was using it in the nations of the world and in the church and growing church a brilliant brilliant preacher and the Lord took it away and I was at that uh, I'll tell you about the memorial service um, and he still beams Jesus and he can sing can't talk very well but he can sing then on the 22nd of December, his daughter Sarah, she'd been married for nine years, two children. One was two years old, one was born two weeks, two weeks old. As a result, as a result of, the, of the birth, um, Sarah got a blood, a blood clot in her, stream, in her bloodstream and she shot an embolism. Somewhere, I'm not quite sure all of it, but she got critical overnight in two days. I was, we were kind of following it on Facebook because we were, you know, we're friends. And then the next day, I think it was the 22nd, I think it was, of December, it said she's gone. 27 years old. Wife, nine years married, young married, child, two years old, two-week-old child, in the nation, serving Jesus, running stuff, ministries, going for God, beaming Jesus. Ask yourself why. So husband, Joel, I think this will stay with me probably for the rest of my life. So he gets up and he says, the night before she died, the 21st, he says, he, he goes to her bed and he and he knows that this is the last night that he's going to see her. And he has this conversation with the Lord. 
and he says, he says to the Lord, Lord, you didn't give her a choice. You didn't give her a choice. And he's processing this with the Lord. So there's obviously anguish in his heart and everything. And the next day, obviously, he, she passes away and passes into glory. <laughs> and he says, as he's processing this and with the Lord, saying, Lord, you didn't give her a choice. What, where now? What now? I did, you didn't give her a choice. And he said, this was the husband saying, he distinctly heard the father say, I did give her a choice. She saw something far more glorious, far bigger, far more beautiful, far more eternal than anything that compares in this world. And I just was blown away. I was like, Lord, I want to give my life to something much bigger than just coming to meeting. I mean, I love meetings. You know me. I just love what God's done. I'm no longer good enough just to be amazed at good meetings. I want to be transformed. I'm 62 years old. I've served the Lord all my life, but it's like I feel like Caleb when he was 80 years old. He said, give me my mountain. Give me my mountain. I don't know what it looks like for me really in practice on what it means for me but this is I'm saying here's my shoes Lord and here's my staff they're yours on holy ground no more excuses this is who I am this is who you are this is your message I carry that's enough and so I don't know where you're at what you're trusting the Lord for but don't settle don't settle for anything less than what God is in store, which is an eternal glory. And I'm going to ask now just for us to worship, to respond. You can come forward. You want to do, I want to, as I said, whatever you want to do, get on your knees before the Lord, just lift it, whatever it is. If this is on your heart, to give everything to Jesus. This may mean serving in kids' church. It may mean serving in these teams, getting involved, going to nations, going to other, whatever it means for you, don't settle for the mundane. God's giving the mundane so He can do something miraculous through your life. I wish I could say I was the best preacher, but you're getting my heart. Merv. Let's, let's respond to the Lord however you want to respond to the Lord. Lord, I pray that we would be so captivated by the beauty of who you are. That we would come to this place and say, Papa, I only want you. I only want you. But that we would not just stay in that place, God, that you're calling us not just to enjoy and revel in your presence, but there's a purpose. There's a bigger thing that you're calling us to. And for all our days and for all my life, Lord, for all my life, I will endeavor to passionately serve you, to serve your church, to see whatever I can do to make your church look that little bit more beautiful and prepare her for you, Jesus. That's all I can do with this one life I've got. Whether it's 27 years, whether it's 67, 
with this 95. May my life demonstrate a passion for your glory and passion for you, Jesus. Let's respond to him in a way that you feel responding to the words today.